I'm joined by Nadine Chino, CEO and co-inventor of Tigerbox. Thank you so much for joining me, Nadine. Daniel, thank you so much for inviting me. It's really a pleasure to be with you and to be able to share some of the passion and enthusiasm I feel for sustainable uh, behaviors and products that really support that. Oh, I think awesome. that, yeah, uh, just as a as a uh, an additional thought on that, I know a lot of people think that they're going to do something to save the planet. I just want to say that the planet doesn't need any saving. The planet will take care of itself. It's us who has to really take a look at what is, what are we doing uh, to the planet because it's our own ecosystem that we can't support if we continue mm. to do what we're doing. I think the that's, planet will be fine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's, it is a good point and I'm really excited to hear more about exactly how you're doing it in terms of um, just to start so we can uh, get a bit of context of where you're taking this call from. Where, where are you right now? There's a lot of sunshine in the back, which looks very nice. Oh, thank you. So uh, we actually have an office uh, in Manhattan, right by Bryant Park. Okay. So it's a beautiful green space and I get to go out and enjoy that as much as I can when it's nice weather. Yeah, that's really nice to be able to have some time with nature uh, during the workday. It's really cool. Indeed. So yeah. what, what I really loved about Tiger Box, aside from the name, um, is the fact that uh, over the last 25 years, uh, as you, as I just found out, actually, you've saved over 100 million trees from yes. being converted into corrugated boxes. Um, so that's a lot of trees. <laughs> that's like a lot of trees. Um, so a, a corrugated box, first of all, um, that's just, is that, well, what is it exactly? Well, Okay, I think it's so commonly um, understood what it is that uh, when you back when you break it down into the elements, yeah, it's basically pulp from trees. Uh, it's got to start out originally with a virgin tree that's cut down specifically to make a cardboard box. And if you take a look at what is the journey of a tree after it's been cut down, it's usually floated down river in logs for quite some time. Then it gets to a facility where it's kind of smushed and chopped up and made into paper pulp. Mm -hmm. And then what they do is they actually separate some of the slurry so that part of it becomes the inside wiggly corrugate. And then uh, on the outsides of it, you get the paper board. Mm -hmm. So now imagine you're this virgin tree and you were just cut down and you that. get squished and... Mm -hmm. <laughs> And all this happens usually on the Northwest. Now, how did Tiger Box start? Because here on the Northeast, I got everything I deserved when I hired the low price mover. Right. Who ripped us off for thousands of dollars of extra money for cardboard boxes, which back in 1991, I had no alternative but to incinerate because there was no municipal recycling in place at the time. Wow. So... I literally put burn my money like right in front of me. Thousands of boxes going into the incinerator. So part of me you, you you've learned about is the uh, there's the Italian side of me. The other side of me is Cuban. So okay. now I'm Cuban Italian, all Latin, and you know how easily Latina ladies can get into a snit, and that was me. So at the incinerator, I start ranting about how somebody ought to have a business where you could rent a 
reusable plastic box as an ecological alternative to cardboard. And then the rest is history. So that's, um, well, that's a really great way of introducing the whole thing is really just the fact that, well, you had this problem. So thousands of dollars of boxes, that sounds like it was um, a corporate move. It, you would think so. It wasn't. It was, uh, it was, I did have my design studio. So there was a lot of things in my design studio. At the end of the day, though, it was just your basic unscrupulous mover. Yeah. No garden variety crook. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a shame because uh, there's no yeah no need for that. But so 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 there's kind of two things there. First of all, there is the 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 financial side of saving money, obviously, and not being right. taken advantage of, and then this whole thing of saving hundreds, well, almost like a hundred million trees. Right. Um, and so how how are you saving those trees? What what are you doing instead of these boxes? Okay. So cardboard boxes are tend to be single use and sometimes they get reused two or three times before they're thrown away. And then yeah. the only um, uh, non-landfill uh, approach to a cardboard box is to recycle it. Mm -hmm. You know, coming purely from an environmental perspective and a sustainability perspective, recycling is actually not such a great idea either. When you take a look at the, the amount of fossil fuel uh, chemicals, and processing uh, electricity to reprocess these things, it's it's um, sometimes a negative. Yeah. And you'll see that uh, reading some reports from municipalities all across the country, many of them are canceling their recycling programs simply because they're unaffordable. Interesting. Um, and so recycling is really not the panacea that uh, is believed to be. In fact, reuse is far, far, far more efficient. Yeah, I was going to say, actually, if you take a look at the three R's, it's reduce, then reuse, then finally recycle. Uh, correct. They're in order. They're in order, except as Americans, we tend to ignore the reduce part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of doesn't fit in our framework of what life is supposed to be about. So then, so then reuse becomes the most efficient form of environmental behavior. Mm. And in many ways it is because you're not using any energy to convert it to be anything else. All you're right. doing is just reusing the same thing. So the, from a, from a, in, uh, an investor standpoint, right, you make the investment of energy in the product the one time, and then you can reuse it in the case of Tiger Box over 25 years and counting. Um, and I will tell you that we built it to last. And even I am a little, I'm kind of impressed with how long it's lasting because I can look at people who are only, you know, graduating college and I can say to them, I've got tiger boxes that are older than you are. <laughs> wow. So you, you actually have these boxes. You still have the first ones that are being used. The very first oh. ones ever made. Yeah. Yeah, we do. And that was so you said 25 years ago? So that was uh -huh. 1995. Yep. Wow. That's incredible. So, and I mean, what are they made from that makes them last so long? Well, so they're made of high density polyurethane. Okay. Actually polyethylene. And what it is, is it's a plastic copolymer. Uh, we chose it because it's very, very lightweight mm -hmm. and extremely durable. Clearly. And, uh, because when I was, when we were inventing this and designing it, 
if you look at a lot of the moving equipment, it's kind of masculine. It's kind of clunky. Mm. When you look at offices, particularly back in the 90s, the people who were packing these offices were women. They were secretaries. And it was pretty gender unfriendly to, right? (laughs) So, So I represented, and forgive me for saying this, but it's a throwback. I represented the nails and hair contingent because women do not want to break their nails moving (laughs) boxes around. We didn't want to do it then. And I'm telling you, we don't want to do it now either. So I made sure that TigerBox was always less than 10 pounds, irrespective of the component, whether it was the box or the dolly, Mm -hmm. so that it would be gender friendly and ergonomic and easy to use. It's good. It's, it's, I think it goes beyond the gender as well. I mean, just for what about people, you know, who have a bad back or like their wrist is, is sore, uh, for example, and then they can't lift heavy things. It's, it, it helps, uh, with all of that as well. If, if it's light, I mean, you're avoiding a lot of potential other issues as well from a health standpoint. That is all true. However, what is the real key to Tiger Box's success? Hmm. As we mentioned, it's a two-piece component system. It's the box plus the dolly. Right. Now, because we made our dolly, unlike any other dolly that's out there, where we actually made it completely bottomless. So one, it wouldn't be stolen if it was left on site for weeks before the move. Two, by reimagining the way to transport stuff, Right. Instead of a horizontal plane, which is what a typical dolly is, it's a horizontal plane. You put stuff on top of it. Right. Yep. Tiger box, because it's completely bottomless, is nothing but a framework of Mm -hmm. external suspension bridges, if you will. It completely is a vertical suspension system supporting the boxes above it with a tongue and groove interface. And so with our system, because the dolly is on hand at the time of packing, No one ever lifts a box unless it's empty. That was the real change in the process. Wow. So what you're doing. uh Yeah. yeah. It's that piece of being able to pack directly to the dolly and never lift a box unless it's empty. That's what made it possible for us to stack five high versus cardboard, which can stack only three high. Right. And I can see by your face. You got the math. Now you know how we reduce the cost of moving by 30%, no matter what. That's amazing because, um, I mean, you're, you're basically just, you got more space. Of course, you have goes, 40% more contents on each footprint. Yeah. So, and yeah. On your on your website, and um, the sort of, I'd like to just share the screen here so that we can, we can see it because this is, and I don't know if, I, I hope you can see yeah. it, but, um, you're probably familiar with with your website um, and you standing on your dolly here. Um, so this right. is the dolly. I mean, it it's basically a, a square um, with wheels, and that's what you mean by it's bottomless. I mean, you can see there that it's um, like you said, it's like a framework, and here are the boxes stacked on it. So when you when you say um, that you can only, that you only lift a box when it's empty, you're literally taking one of these empty boxes that's on the left. You then put it into the dolly with it open and right. start putting stuff in there when you're done, close it, and then you put the next one on top. 
That is correct. It makes so much sense. Right. That's why when you were saying people lifting heavy boxes, it's like, yeah, no, not with our system. Yeah. That literally right. does not exist. And, no, oh, and we, then I see, and then you un unpack it the exact same way. Let me just take the stuff out. <laughs> remove you got the it. box. What, what is this? Um, you you mentioned also uh, when you were when you were just speaking, but and and it says that here again. What what does it mean? Low theft. Okay, so here's what happened. Because we were outsiders. Remember, I came from the apparel industry, okay. and my co-founder and and co-inventor Marty Spindel. Yeah, came from a law firm background, mm -hmm. he worked with a prestigious firm in New York, helping George Soros make international okay. philanthropic grants to Eastern Europe to help Eastern Europe get back on the feet after its fall of communism. So oh. <laughs> you couldn't pick two people who knew less about moving than Marty and I. <laughs> and because we were outliers, we asked dumb questions. The important and questions. And the answers to those questions were the opportunity to invent Tiger Box. Yeah. And here's why. We went, we got a lot of customers showing them just a plain old plastic box. We didn't even have the dolly system fully thought out at that time, but we needed to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So because we lived downtown in Manhattan at that time, we were downtown in the um, financial district and right across from us were the twin towers, the original ones. So back in 1993 and 94, the New York, New Jersey Port Authority was located there and they were doing a large relocation. So we went in with our, our tubs, our plastic totes, and we ended up buying a separate dolly called, um, I forget what it was. It was some kind of red dolly. And we saw everybody, all this labor, packing a tote. Then it's in the way. Then they have to move a heavy box. They get it out of the way so they can keep packing. But now two boxes are in the way when they have to pack the next location. And then we saw the movers come in with their dollies and their big rush on Friday night to get all this stuff packed on dollies and it was chaos. It was just utter chaos. And so we, we looked at the movers and we said, listen, all this work on average, somebody picks up a heavy box four times before it ever gets on the dolly at origin. Why not bring your dollies two weeks ahead of time of the move? So people could pack directly to the dolly. They'd never have to lift a box then. Right. And that's when the movers looked at us as if we had just landed from Mars. Because what they said was, it's like, no way. Um, first of all, I was a lady in a man's, I mean, like picture moving, right? 1990-something, yeah. right? Okay, great. Five foot two. So I, <laughs> I really fit the mold. But in any event, really, the, the, the reason is financial for them. If they were to bring dollies two weeks ahead of time, because the typical dolly is an all-purpose dolly. Right. Their concern is that it would be stolen in large quantities before the move even started. And then mm. they wouldn't have enough equipment to actually do the move. Not to mention they'll have to buy new dollies. Of course. And then yep. there's all the profits that go down the drain. So you see, they had a very valid point. And that's what caused us to envision a dolly that had no bottom. Because if it has no bottom, it can't be used to move anything Yeah, it's else. useless. It's just a square thing on wheels, really. Yeah. <laughs> that was the opportunity. So that's cool. So how does it, um, I mean, how does it know when it's, uh, two questions. 
uh, uh, first of all, the, the, the shorter one, I, I suppose, is um, each stack of five boxes has its own dolly. Correct. Okay, got it. So basically, if there's like 200 boxes, you'll have 40 dollies. Correct. Five on each. Okay, cool. Um, that makes sense now. And then how does it know when it's ready to go? I mean, why doesn't it? Oh, I see. But, but wait a second. You're standing on the dolly. It's no tip. So how does it not move? Oh, it's easy. Because the wheels are exterior to the load like a Ferrari, right? So good race cars always have wheels at very wide wheelbase. Right. And their, their center of gravity is very low. A typical platform dolly, the wheels are underneath the load. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why it tips. But once you position the wheels exterior to the load, which is what we had to do in order to make it bottomless. Mm. The added benefit that we didn't even know about, but just kind of came about, is that it never tips. So when you think about people who are moving, first of all, there's hardly anybody in a company that's excited about, oh, golly, I get to move today. Yeah. Right? So they hate moving. They want to get it done as quickly as possible, and they don't want to learn anything about it. They just want to do it and get it done. Since these people will not be trained in how to move safely and properly, the best thing that a corporation can do is supply its employees with equipment that is fail safe. In other yeah. words, it's irrelevant how you use it. It's still not going to tip. You don't have to be careful. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> Safety first and, by uh, not having to worry about it in the first place. Right. So it yeah. mitigates risk. So from, you, from, the, from the employer's standpoint, not only does it reduce the cost of moving by a whopping 30%, but it actually is more ergonomic and it's safer for their employees to use. Yep. Encouraging the employees now they can self-pack rather than have the movers pack everything. And of course, there isn't a mover in America who's going to like what I'm going to say next. However, it reduces moving labor. Right. Because they're not packing every single box. Now the customer can do it themselves. Because it's easy. It's easy. Yeah. And besides which, we built file rails into our boxes because once we realized we had to design our own, we figured let's put the kitchen sink in it. Yeah. Why don't we make it like a movable file cabinet? Five, five drawer lateral filing cabinets was the single most popular filing cabinet size back then in the 90s. And so our goal was to keep everything organized from uh, the standpoint of if I could pack an entire file cabinet in a single stack, what would that do to reducing employee downtime? Yeah. Right? Cardboard with two stacks of mishmash stuff, nobody knows where anything is, right? It takes a long time to unpack. And what we found is that we were able to reduce hours <laughs> of employee downtime to 10 minutes Amazing. because everything was in the right order for unpacking. Yeah. I can, yeah, like file folders. I mean, I've, even just at home, I mean, I, I've moved uh, a couple of times and uh, more than a couple of times, several times. And it's so difficult to just keep track of your papers because you end up putting them, they're always, uh, you organize everything this way, you're looking through it, you're like, okay, this is all my stuff. Then you take it and you flip it over, you pop it down it, and it instantly slides. And uh, there's not enough space for anything. Well, I mean, there's too much space in a box for paper. So it kind of like slides everywhere. And then you're like, well, I guess I'll deal with that on the other side. And then 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so for two reasons, we, so we built in the file rails so you could just go from drawer to box, drawer to yep. box and not have the paper slide out of that file folder when yep. it hits the bottom because it never hits the bottom. It stays exactly. suspended. Now there are people who just want to pack to the floor of the box. And for them, because I hated having to have four arms in order to be able to pack and stop those papers from sliding. Yep. Right. Um, we built little speed bumps on the bottom of the box hmm. and speed bumps help to prevent the file folders from slipping. Even if you pack them to the floor of the box. Wow. Very clever. Yeah. yeah. So you've thought of, thought of it all and that's the benefit, tried of, to, yeah. Yeah, benefit of, of inventing it yourself. Yes. Yes, indeed. So, yeah. So each one of these boxes made from plastic there, you have boxes that are 25 plus years old, so they right. can be reused about 2000 times. You were saying 2000. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, somebody after, um, <laughs> I go into wherever you go into it in afterlife <laughs> yeah. can still keep, keep track of how many times we reuse <laughs> this box. You know, I mean, <laughs> they're pretty indestructible. Why don't I, See if I could just turn the camera around here yeah. and give you a, a flavor for, I'm just going to manually turn the camera and yeah, just show fun. you the boxes here. Let's see. Are they in view? Not quite yet. Okay. I, I see the top. You can see a stack of, oh, wait, the... I'm sorry. Okay. This is a selfie. All right. So good. Mm -hmm. So can you see tiger boxes? Does it look like a wall of gray? Plastic? Uh, yes, now I see it. There we go. Okay. So, so I'm kind of going up and down. Yep. And here we are down at the bottom, Dolly. Now, you can see everything is nice and uniform and standard and everything like that. Yep. What happens is, is let's just say a box gets roughed up in the field mm -hmm. and maybe a lid breaks. Well, a lid does can be replaced because we built everything modular. So all we need to do to save that box is just remove this lid off the hinge pin, yep. put the lid on, and then the box continues to serve for as long as its useful life. Huh. So yeah, Legos kids, right? Yeah. Everything is a component. And then if you take a look at what we do, even when the boxes are kind of beat up and can't be rented anymore because they're just a little too um, worn. Yep. We donate them to the Queens Botanical Garden so they can use them for compost or whatever else it is that they want to use it for um, within the gardens. Mm -hmm. So um, they make great compost tubs. Yeah. They look perfect for so many different things, just holding stuff. Oh. That's Especially when you're having a party, it's great for beer and wine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh man, that must be very easy for you to plan those kind of parties at your office. Then, <laughs> if there's boxes oh, everywhere. <laughs> so the the other thing is that because they can be reused so many times, um, and this is how we get to 100 million trees. That you were saying that each tiger box can save about 36 trees during its lifespan. Correct. And so, because the idea was so popular, because companies saved money. Yeah. Right. So talking about sustainability, it's green. So is money, interestingly yeah. enough. Right. There you go. Yeah. So for corporations, the, the green they were most concerned about was the green in their wallet. Mm -hmm. For us as a company, it was kind of you don't really compel anybody's behavior, but it was certainly a powerful carrot 
to convert them yeah. to a sustainable behavior. Um, and so basically the formula is one tree produces about 55 moving boxes. And so if you're reusing a tiger box 2000 times or whatever, however many you are, mm -hmm. every 55 uses is the equivalent of a tree. Got it. And because we have um, rented hundreds, oh my God, we've, well, by now the, the rentals are in the millions, but we've also produced as a company, we've produced well over a million Taiga boxes, not only for use in our own rental fleet, but also moving companies who have purchased them from us oh, and have cool. them customized in their name. So it won't say Taiga boxes name on it. It'll say mover ABC on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and those boxes are out in the world every single day moving companies. And so if you figure you've got one Taiga box being reused at least two or three times a week, yeah, you can see how that adds up quickly. Very quickly indeed. Right. And then because it's because reuse is like compounding interest to a loan officer, except mm -hmm. it benefits the environment, right? Yeah. You can see how quickly the impacts grow and that's what excites us about tiger box is that you know all of this opportunity created from the simple reuse of a commodity box mm -hmm. and so that's the other thing so talk about business right a little bit um we knew that we had to price the rental of our boxes cheap enough so that it was comparable to a cardboard box yeah right so a Absolutely. cardboard box let's just call it three four bucks whatever it is right we had to be able to create a rental operation that allowed us to rent a box for three four maybe five bucks for the same period of time mm -hmm. and the only way we could actually really get the benefit of our investing investment in the boxes is to make sure they last a really really long time makes sense right because that's the compounding um, opportunity uh, for revenue for Tiger Box. Yeah, so, that's that's the cool thing about the reuse aspect, and that's actually um, kind of a, a bigger general point is um, the plastic in general. Because pl plastic is um, it's easy to vilify plastic, especially if you're looking at it as single use. Um, you know, plastic is bad, and and everyone hates plastic. And yes, there's a lot of plastic pollution, especially in the oceans and all of that, but Interestingly enough, you're actually saving the environment by using plastic because right. of its durability and its strength. And um, I think it just goes to show that plastic is a really great uh, material if used responsibly and if used correctly, rather than you know using something that can last forever, because that's what plastic is all about, is durability and it's easy right. to hold, rather than using it to make a fork. Um, that's used once or, you know, something for covering a banana, which has its own covering already. <laughs> Indeed it does. <laughs> yeah. Better than any plastic you can put on it. Exactly. Too. <laughs> it's designed specifically for it. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, Daniel, that is such an interesting point. It is true. It's easy for a label like plastic to become yep. vilified. And it's, it's interesting because we actually back and now we're going back 15, no, 10 years in 2010, 
we were awarded Citigroup's Environmental Vendor of the Year. Cool. And as a result of kind of justifying why we're so environmentally um, useful to Citigroup, besides the millions of dollars they saved in, in moving costs, was the fact that I did an analysis on getting down to basic science. In chemistry, pretty much everything is measured in megajoules. So not to get too technical, but megajoule is a unit of energy. Okay. And I did an analysis. What is the units of energy it takes to make a cardboard box? What are the units of energy it takes to recycle that box? And how many boxes need to be made over a 25-year lifespan compared to the number of megajoules it takes to make a tiger box one time? Yep. It, just not even comparable, like, you know, a billion to one, you know, it Absolutely, was just, yeah. you know, I mean, again, I don't want to be held to that specific number. It <laughs> might be something else, but in general, it was, there's just no comparison. You know, you make that investment one time and it just keeps reaping rewards. And yeah. so that's really the value from a sustainability perspective is no, no materials are being consumed. Absolutely. I think there's, um, and I, I was speaking to uh, Tara Button in a previous episode. She's the uh, creator of a website called Buy Me Once. And the whole thesis of their website is essentially invest in a high quality product so that mm-hmm. it can last hopefully forever. Um, because, and, and what she makes quite clear on her website is that um, a lot of the environmental impact, the negative environmental impact that we see comes from creation of stuff, basically, whether it's like you're saying a box or an umbrella or anything like a car, I mean, literally anything. And so if you can reduce the amount of time something needs to be created by investing in a reusable product, then you end up reducing, going back to that third R, um, the number of things that need to be created in the first place, thereby reducing the environmental impact of creating stuff at all. Oh, I completely agree. In fact, if you just take that and you look at it from a macroeconomic perspective, not only does it reduce the waste of planetary resources, um, whatever it might be, the cotton or whatever is being used, the cotton and wood, Mm -hmm. it's also the water for processing. It's also the (laughs) fossil fuel for every single truck that has to be part of that supply chain to get the very beginning all the way to the very end. Yep. It's, it's ginormous. It's absolutely ginormous. So that's actually our goal. And our mission as a company is to make reuse a habit Mm -hmm. now. And as a follow-up, and I know we're not necessarily talking about tiger traps, but I just want to add to that. So I just want to share with you, because I don't know how to change the view from selfie to something else on the zoom thing, but I just want to show you something called tiger tracks. And basically what it is, is it's an RFID tracking tag that can keep track of anything anywhere in the world from your cell phone. But more importantly, because it has a motion sensor, Mm -hmm. we're able to tell how many times something is being used as compared to not. Now beyond boxes, there's a whole world of stuff. Right. That is underutilized. And all we have to do is look at our corporate offices to see how many chairs are underutilized, how many mm-hmm. desks, all that kind of stuff. Our goal with Tiger Tracks is to be able to put the RFID tag on 
all of the types of high volume, low asset value things that are used in our everyday life and help companies and people keep track of their stuff so they utilize it more frequently and purchase it less. And so this is what a Tiger Tracks tags looks like. It's this tiny little thing that we've tucked. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm getting it right. Not quite yet. I don't think. No, probably a little lower. Here we go. It's tucked under the lip of. Oh, is that? Yeah. Is that little black thing? A little, little more. I think I see it. Oh yeah, there it is. Yep. Okay. So we just tuck that underneath a box or a chair or uh anything, and we can keep track of it and tell you how much of the life expectancy has been utilized and how much has not. Now imagine we could advise corporations to stop wasting their financial resources and Mm -hmm. it would benefit the planet because we'd stop wasting planetary resources. Yeah. That's the game we're playing today, taking that concept of reuse and expanding it to all the things that we use on a daily basis. That's really cool. So, I mean, what are some of the things you mentioned chairs? Uh, what are some of the things that could be uh, where you can add the, and I think Tiger Tracks, by the way, is a great, great name. Um, yeah. what, what can you add this, um, the RF, RFID chip to? Oh my goodness. So if you just take a look at a corporation um, mm-hmm. or a university, universities have tons of lab equipment Yeah. besides basic furniture. So all of that furniture er, in every situation, you've got furniture, but in, in certain places you have um, lab equipment, other places you have a lot of AV equipment. Look at airports. Look at how many times, I mean, they have wheelchairs and all kinds of other things that need to be kept track of. Municipalities have emergency equipment. I'm telling you, people don't know where their stuff is. What about home care, where there are organizations that are renting equipment to people who need special care at home? Half this stuff gets lost. You know, they've lost airplanes. I mean, there have been reports about (laughs) organizations losing airplanes. So, you know, it's easy to understand why we would lose a chair. Yeah. Even if it's a wheelchair. But what if it's the reuse from an environmental point of view, but it's also consider the waste of time, right? You're at an airport and somebody can't find a wheelchair for this passenger who's boarding your flight. And then what happens? Your flight's delayed. Worse yet, it's delayed to the point where some of the other passengers can't make their connecting flights. What's the cost of the airline for, you know what I'm saying? It just, There's so much here. It's such a rich gold mine. And all we really need to do is just reuse the stuff more efficiently. And we could save a lot of uh, time and um, resources. Yeah, I I mean, I think think it is really important, especially if you're buying more stuff because you can't seem to find it. That (laughs) comes back to our, our, what we were talking about earlier. I mean, it ends up you, that means that more production, which is again environmental cost, um, and I mean ultimately, I think you know from the point of view of a company, their motivation is well, if if we can't find our airplane and now we have to buy another one, <laughs> then that's a huge uh, motivation. I I would say a motivator rather to um, to invest in something so small that can save in that case millions of Correct. of dollars. So, yes. 
Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's a, it's a really cool way. And so, so the way that you're using Tiger Tracks on the boxes specifically is, um, first of all, to keep track of where they are specifically um or how yeah, does it but more importantly you see on moving is one of those dynamic processes where stuff just gets lost right there's there's the Constantly plan and then there's stuff. what really happens yeah exactly yeah. yeah and and oftentimes it's um it resembles a circus not for lack of planning just because that's how it rolls yeah you, right? you a lot of your customers are b2b right like yes. they're, they're businesses meaning yeah, most of them are. So most you, of them are corporate end users or moving companies or, yeah. yeah. So you have, we are branching into B2C. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, I mean, going back to the circus idea, um, you have yes. all these employees wandering around, moving stuff. You have all of these movers, boxes and things everywhere. Correct. And uh, right. someone puts some of their stuff in your box. Do you mind? I, don't, I ran out of space and, oh, man. All that. It happens. I mean, what does a commercial mover have to do? A fairly hard task. Basically, no company wants to lose time of their employees. Mm -hmm. So they always want to be moved at four or five o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. You got everything going through a choke point, which is the egress of the building onto these moving trucks to, you know, trucking over to the other side unpacking everything at destination and making sure everything is in order before Monday morning when people come back to work. Yeah. It's a huge flow of volume yeah. going through a lot of small choke points. So they don't have time to stay organized during the move. It's either organized before they get started or it's just a circus. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the reasons the tracking system is in place, not only to help them um, stay organized uh, through the move process, but oftentimes things get left behind inadvertently mm. because it's relying on visual observation. Yeah. Wow. Someone, yeah, you have that one person who's probably like the very last person to leave. I'm just going to make sure I have, nothing's forgotten and something's in the shadow or someone puts something on the side and... Right. We're all human. Somebody hid something. Somebody put a hundred boxes in a supply closet and then locked it and left. Yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I've seen a, a lot of things and the tracking system is really interesting. And I'll give you the most um, simple but powerful example. We had a situation where the mover was there on a Saturday. We were there with them with our tiger tracks boxes and the freight elevator broke down. Mm. Okay. So when it's between floors, you know, what you really care about is getting the um, people out of the elevator. Makes sense. That's what's important, yeah, right? Absolutely. In the, in the frenzy, though, of, of uh, crowbarring people out, you know, obviously the boxes were left behind. Okay, so things return to normal, whatever, whatever, but nobody noticed that the boxes were missing. So we're back at now at the destination, at the new location. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. These movers are just tired. They're ready to go home. And they're like, hey, this is great. We're done. And I said, um, no, the system is showing that we have 113 boxes back at origin. And, of course, it was the same old, no, can't be, can't be, can't be. I said, look, I'm telling you, I, I can't make this stuff up. Um, the 113 boxes are back at origin. And somebody finally got the bright idea, like, oh, my God, maybe we forgot the boxes in the freight elevator after we crowbarred the people out. Sure enough, that's where they were. Wow. And it's all just shown on, on an app. 
just shown on an app because the RFID is tracking everything. That's amazing. Do, do is there yeah. a battery in there that needs to be replaced? Um, well, there again too, because we knew we were working with commercial clients. Yeah, we knew that most of them don't uh, use a five to seven year depreciation schedule. So we engineered our tags custom designed for us in order for the battery to last seven to ten years. Wow! So we would exceed the standard two year battery life. And we'd never have to change a tag once it was placed on an asset, even if it was in some remote field, you know, somewhere, mm -hmm. right? Some remote location where nobody's going to check and replace batteries. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And, yeah. I'll tell you, as a business owner, I didn't want the expense. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I want to put a tag on it and call it good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't have to worry about it again. You can always just be sure that it's it's working it's and it's uh, it's tracking what it Correct. track right right um, and then we, i mean we do have low battery um low battery um signals mm -hmm. if something should go low un unexpectedly but other than that no it's one and done i i'm kind of i like that model a lot yeah that's really yeah. cool well yeah nadine this is uh, i think the work you're doing is so cool i love the uh, unique approach to an otherwise very uh, big problem as we're seeing boxes end up cutting down a lot of trees. So I think the, the work you're doing is absolutely fantastic. So um, I'm just conscious of time here. So what, what one question I'd love to ask more as an, as an inspiration is what do you do in your personal life, like on a day-to-day -day basis um, to be environmentally friendly? Well, I reuse pretty much everything. So awesome. long ago, um, I haven't come from the apparel industry, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, it was nothing at that point to drop, you know, three, $4,000 for designer this and designer that I was in the industry. Right. It, I wasn't getting it wholesale, but it didn't mm -hmm. matter. It was Dior or it was whoever. Right. Um, and in my day-to-day -day life, uh, I have completely stopped buying new products new apparel, new anything. And I love resale stores. I love the Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've bought anything in my wardrobe for probably two decades. Wow. Outside of the Salvation Army. And obviously, when you need underwear, that's got to be new. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, outside of that, it's it's kind of sport shopping in a, in a way. Um, there's a there's a mandate that, you know, when you donate it back, it's kind of fun to do that, too, because then somebody else gets to have the same surprise and fun you did when you found it and bought yeah. it, you know. So it just kind of keeps regenerating the love. And I really like that. Yeah, that's one one thing um, that. Uh, buying used things because mm -hmm. it's um, you never know what you're going to get. So it's this, it's, it's kind of like a, a process of discovery and you're going on an adventure to find, to find something. And when you do find it, it's so rewarding. It's so wonderful. Cause you're like, I can't believe it. I got something that's like perfect. Yes. And, uh, and exactly. it took some work and investment. Feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's I, th I think it's great and and it's cool because the the shops like Salvation Army and there's plenty of others. Um, I'm I'm based in London, so we, there's a lot of charity shops here. And they're mm -hmm. they're, pr they're pretty small, but they're you know like each charity has its own shop, and the, um, whenever you buy something from there, the proceeds go to the mm -hmm. charity that 
you know, it's representing. And um, yeah, there's, there's just so many fun things and they're, but they're, they're constantly, they check the, the quality. So you're, it's going to be good stuff. It's not like torn or broken or anything. So. Right. Yeah. You can be confident so that. Yeah. Nothing wrong with yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. And um, where can we learn more about Tigerbox? So for anyone who might be interested in uh, checking it out or even using it for, you said that it, you're looking into going um, B2C, but if someone's listening to this and they represent a company and they're looking to move, how can they, how can they get in touch or find the work you're doing? Okay. Um, so the, uh, they can just go to tigerbox.com, T-Y-G-A-B-O-X.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, if they wanted to get a few of their own tiger boxes, they can order uh, directly online. If they want to make a rental, they can just send us an email, info at tigerbox.com, and we'll uh, talk offline about rentals of tiger boxes because, of course, that's their main purpose. Yeah. Uh, be reused multiple hundreds or thousands of times. And, um, you know, soon we'll be making some splash news about bringing tiger tracks to the market, both on the B2B side as well as B2C. You said something before that was absolutely spot on. Um, it's hard for people to get organized. Right. It's harder to stay organized. What Tiger Tracks does is it helps you not only get organized and stay organized, but it helps you stop wasting money buying stuff you already have and can't find. Yeah, which is so That's frustrating, it. especially oh when God. you I, when you buy it and then a day later you find it. Of course, that's always how it's going to work, <laughs> right? I'll tell you, there are plenty of times when my four-year-old self came out to play, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Just like too frustrating. Yeah. So absolutely, yeah. Well, that's awesome. So where, where, and where, where can we? Uh, is there anywhere we can sign up to get those updates? So when Tiger Tracks is ready to go, that we can be uh, the first to know. Uh, yeah. Just again, just send an email to info at tigerbox.com and just say, keep me updated on Tiger Tracks. Done. Easy. Keep you on the list. Awesome. Yes. Super well, easy. Thank you very much, Nadine. It was wonderful to talk to you. Love the work you're doing and can't wait for you to reach the 200 million trees, Mark. So best of luck. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. That's what we're working towards. Awesome. Can't wait to hear it. Awesome. Take All right. Enjoy your day. And yeah. thanks for taking the time again. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, give us a five-star rating. And also, please subscribe, whether on your podcast app or on YouTube. And that way you can be the first to know about new episodes. Thank you very much and talk to you soon.